This is Champagne Problems, where we come together to explore the gray areas of drinking. This is a judgment-free zone where we can all take a look at how we make decisions about our relationship with alcohol. Sadly, we are announcing today that this is our beloved co-host, Sam Hampson's last recording. Sam will be moving on to bigger and better, but don't fret. We will have her back as a guest soon enough. Thank you, and we love you, Sam. On the show today, we've got Tori Birchie out of Austin, Texas. Tori has super popular TikTok and Instagram accounts with the handle Host by Tori, where she's normalizing a zero-proof forward lifestyle. Tori's brand promotes living boldly and mindfully and enjoying life to the fullest, just without alcohol. Tori has an extensive list of incredibly delicious mocktail recipes, which I have tried many of, and she has a new and refreshing outlook on how to host gatherings mindfully. Let's go to Tori. Tori Birchie, welcome to Champagne Problems. Hey there, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're very excited to have you on. Interestingly, you're the first guest that we've had on that's that's in the mocktail world. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It, you'd think we'd, we we talk about it a lot. We re- refer to mocktails a lot. We talk about the culture some, but we've never actually had a guest that's really kind of immersed in that culture and, 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 and that world. So we're super excited to have you on. Let's start with a little background on you. Let's give our listeners kind of who Tori Birchie is, where are you from, what led you up to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So I, for as long as I can remember, I have been very interested in the restaurant cooking, drinking world. Um, Moved to New York City after I graduated college and immersed myself into that world for three years while I was there. I actually had a website in terms of how you got into the best restaurants and cocktail bars in New York. So very much was into that scene. Uh, Moved to San Francisco three years after being there to um, have a new job and similarly did the same thing. Um, My fiance or boyfriend at the time moved a year after I did, right in the thick of COVID. And right when we got there, or he got there, we moved in together and wanted something to look forward to uh, on Fridays. And so we implemented Cocktail Friday. So as you can imagine, was very immersed into the non or into the alcoholic world um, mm-hmm. and loved drinking, loved making cocktails, was known in the group for making the spicy margs, for knowing um, which co- <laughs> cocktail bar to go to. And Cocktail Friday was really our thing. Um, Fast forward to November of this past year, so November 2021, and I honestly just felt like I needed a break. Alcohol was not feeling good for me, and I remember wanting to take this break, but not realizing, not not knowing what I would do this the upcoming weekend. Like I didn't know what it was like to have a weekend where you wouldn't be drinking, and so I was like, should I stock up on sparkling water? What am I going to say to people? How am I going to get through this weekend? It was such a big deal at the time, which seems oh, yeah. which seems really crazy now. But um, I just like vividly remember that that first weekend, and so I, I got through it and decided I wanted to kind of continue on this journey and see what it felt. The you know the sober curious, like what does it feel like to not drink, um, mm-hmm. but was still so early in that. And so I remember it was you know holiday season November, and I my family's like a big drinking family. I texted my dad and I said, hey, I I'm not going to drink coming home. I'm taking a little bit of a break. I just want you to respect that. And so uh, for November, December, I didn't drink a lot. I went to Mexico 
And I remember coming back and realizing in January of this year that I wanted this to be more permanent, a more permanent change, but I felt like I was having an identity crisis um, because alcohol had been such a big part of my life historically. And I remember talking with my therapist around like what I want to stop drinking, but what would this world look like? Like, what am I without drinking? How does this define my life going forward, which seems pretty dramatic, but it's truly how I felt. And so my therapist said to me, like, you know, you don't have to be the cocktail expert. Why don't you be the mocktail expert? And <laughs> like any idea that is kind of thrown into my head, I completely went and ran with that. And so over the last seven months or so, I've really have dove into the non-alcoholic and mocktail space and have found that there are so many great options out there. And my goal is to really kind of like redefine how people think about a zero proof forward lifestyle. And so I'm not sober, but I really want to make drinking fun without alcohol and making the same sort of cocktails that you get at a cocktail bar, um, but making them in mocktail form, making them with non-alcoholic drinks. And so that's really been my journey over the past year or so. Um, and I feel like there are so many great brands out there now that you can really have such a great experience without any of the negative you know, side effects the next day of alcohol um, and just trying to inspire others who are looking to have this sort of lifestyle as well. There's a lot there, Tori. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack. Man, we could we could talk about a lot of different areas of that. That was a that was a a, a great uh, summary. Thank you for doing that. You know, I always go back to like what started this whole thing, and one thing that we talk a lot about on the podcast is it being a gray area drinker. When you start to make changes, it's not always because of a rock bottom, and that. I think can be quite confusing to explain or to share with people like this is why I'm making a shift and and also like that not really feeling like a good enough reason or whatever and so just curious like when you say that alcohol really started to not feel good for you can you if you're willing to just speak more in depth about what that was looking like was it social was it biological was it um, psychological yeah. like what was happening yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. You bring up this point because we've been so conditioned to think that if you don't want to drink alcohol, it's because you've had a problem with it. And to be clear, like I haven't had any quote problem with alcohol. It's just that it doesn't make me feel like a version of my best self. And mm -hmm. so when I say it wasn't feeling good, it was a combination of factors relating to my personal life, my professional life, my health. Like I just wasn't I wasn't making good decisions. So like, for example, you know, you drink, you go to bed late, you don't have a good night of sleep, you wake up, you don't want to work out potentially, you don't eat as well, you're more likely to um, not invest in your relationships or be snappy, like all of those things made me not feel like the best version of myself. And, and I want to be careful because like, I don't think that I don't want to talk about this in terms of like, I needed to be productive all the time. And that's why I felt like I needed to make this shift because in today's world, people over try to over productize, whatever that word is, their lives. <laughs> it just wasn't making me feel like the best version of myself. And that's, that's like the way that I can put it. Um, and I think there is this gray area and why it felt so dramatic in the shift is because what it looked like to other people was that I was deeply immersed in this cocktail space. Like I had 
a um, W set like wine license for people who know what that is. Like I am very into the craft brewery space. And so all of, all of those things combined, I feel as though when I announced effectively the shift that people were so struck by it and what I'm trying to now internalize and figure out for myself and why it's so confusing is like, I'm not sober. I don't want to be sober. I just want to be more mindful about how I'm drinking and when I'm drinking and when it feels like I should lean in and being more intuitive about it. And that's the struggle that I'm going through right now. And I've talked a lot about on social media because it is really messy and confusing. And it feels like having a black or white line to draw is much easier than this gray area. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about that a lot just as the kind of gray area drinker, like it would be easier. In fact, it was easier for me when I like took two full years off to be like, Oh, like I don't drink like period, you know? And, and that was actually a lot easier to identify, um, to say, to not have to have any like rebuttal. Like, and, and when I did have a drink again, it was very much like, but I thought you weren't drinking I thought you didn't drink anymore and just this really strange reaction of like people wanting me to be in a box and really having a hard time with like should I feel guilty for like I took two years off because that's what felt good and I'm drinking tonight because that's what feels good like that seems to make sense to me but it was very difficult not to have these clear lines around it and even you know when when I was kind of starting out with that, it was, well, why not just pull back? Why, why go completely alcohol free for the time, you know, for a certain amount of time? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's the same reason people do a cleanse before they do a diet or a lifestyle change. Like I want to remove it all and see what happens and then make a decision from a clean place of whether I want to reintroduce it or not. And I always joked like, if I could have the effect of alcohol contained in the night that I'm drinking it in, I would probably still drink quite right, a lot. Right, it's the day after. But because the effects of alcohol spill, like they just spill and bleed everywhere all over my Monday, Tuesday. Like I don't get laundry done on Sunday. I don't like all the things kind of bleed over even kind of chemically, mental health wise. And so it's just rarely worth it to me yeah. now. But I feel... I feel I confuse people more now when I have a glass of wine than when I don't, even though in the beginning they were so like, why aren't you drinking? I don't really get it. I completely agree with that. And um, I talked about this a little, a little bit before on social media, but the concept of the streak I think is really great for people who are trying to recover or in a place of recovery because the streak can hold people accountable. But for me, when I first stopped drinking, I had this streak that I was getting a high off of not drinking and counting those days. And it was really confusing to me because even if I was craving an alcoholic drink, I didn't want to break the streak. And so Mm. what I've tried to do now is be just more mindful and intuitive around when I am drinking and when I want to drink, like a frozen spicy margarita on a hot day in Austin sounds really great to me, but you know, a Miller light at a pregame doesn't sound as good to me. And so it's like really listening to what I want to lean into. And the other thing I think, and I I don't know how you feel about this, but it's really from a social standpoint, the act of participating is something that I've continued to struggle with. And what I mean by that is like at home, because there are so many great mocktail options and I consider myself the mocktail expert, like I know how to make a really balanced delicious mocktail with the options that are out there right now. 
There's athletic brewing and other non-alcoholic beers that are great. There are some non-alcoholic wines that are great too. Um, but it's when I go out to a restaurant that doesn't have any good non-alcoholic options or a bar um, where people are potentially day drinking the whole day and you feel as though you can't participate. That's the social component that's like the most confusing and difficult for me to grapple with because I want to participate with my friends or family, um, but I can't. While as like the at-home experience is a much better experience for me right now. A couple things both of you said that that made me made my wheels turn a little yeah. bit was was kind of the the conflict that, and this is more specific to the gray area because you know those of us that work in the space of addiction, you know, obviously you you can enter a space that that becomes a little more defined, but the gray area. It's just that it's gray, and it's there's a conflict we feel, and and I firmly believe that it is it is our own feelings, perceptions, awareness of what's going on inside of us that is completely in contrast with what we are conditioned to think and believe and feel about what it means to drink, right? So, like, you know, when when you mention I don't have a problem, well. Yeah, like you don't have a problem based on, you know, the criteria that it means to be an alcoholic, right. but there were personal consequences that you felt that were negative. You know, is that a problem? Is it not? It doesn't matter. It, it, and that's where we feel that conflict because it's this preconceived notion that we've been that we've been conditioned to think about that is in conflict with how we're assessing our own consumption. And often it 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 can pull us into the wrong directions because we're just kind of listening to what we've been listening to for so long. Right. And the fact that alcohol gets so glamorized when in reality, the negative effects are effects of it are so substantial, but people don't talk about it as mm -hmm. much for some reason. Like there's joking around hangovers the next day, but you feel as though you need to justify not drinking when in reality, it's a very harmful substance that doesn't do a whole lot of good. Um, the problem is just that it does get so glamorized in society today. And so if you don't have a problem, why wouldn't you drink? Quote problem, right? Um, right? And to your point on the conditioning, like it's so backwards how conditioned we are around the concept of drinking. And I do think that it's mm -hmm. moving into a different way where people are uh, much more interested in the quote sober curious world and I think that because of all the really good options out there and restaurants trying to make non-alcoholic options, like it is moving in a really great path, but the conditioning of what it should or should not look like today is exactly what you're talking about in terms of the gray area a lot of us are feeling. Yeah. I often worry just, you know, it's almost as if the people in the gray area that have the... Um, the tools and, and possibly the biological makeup to successfully drink based on education, you know, willpower even, you know, just making changes in patterns and habits. That's awesome. And there's a lot of, and, and, and what you're referring to is, is that's the area where there's all these trends and, and people are going in this direction of more health and wellness and they're, and they're able to do it. And it's becoming successful and appealing to a large population. And then there's all the people that actually can't do that. <laughs> and it's like, how do we kind of, how do we blend those? How do we get some of this education, some of this motivation, some of this awareness to yeah. the people that, you know, are just not in the space of, of, what, of everything we're talking about? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think it's really important because when I think back, I didn't, the reason that I don't drink most of the time now is based on a lot of information that I didn't know until I stopped drinking a lot. Like, and in that way, it's really hard for, like, I, I really work hard not to be preachy about reducing or removing alcohol in any way in my personal life because, well, for a lot of reasons, but I, but also because I, I wouldn't have known or identified with a lot of those things while I was drinking either. And so it's tough that these conversations a lot of times can really only happen with people who have already stepped into it. And that that's really the only way I became pretty aware of like the culture around it. And the like, all I knew is I didn't feel very good when I drank and I didn't feel very good after I drank and didn't feel good about the fact that I had been drinking. And And that's all I really knew until I removed it on a regular basis. And then I had all these other insights about what not drinking was allowing me to do rather than like, oh my gosh, it's so problematic and I need to get on top of it. Right. But one thing that I really recognized, which is kind of what you're pointing out, Tori, when you talk about participation, is that I didn't enjoy social settings where the activity was drinking. I didn't mind social settings where we were, we were doing something and I could drink or not drink. Like if we went bowling, great, I can bowl and I can drink or not drink. But what I'm just going to drink, and that's the social activity, and that's the thing that we're supposed to be bonding over or participating in, I didn't really know how to yeah. do that anymore because it the participation felt like it was around intoxication. And so even if I went and had a mocktail... I would feel like I looked cuter in pictures because I had a cute little drink, but I didn't feel like I was part of what was happening and I didn't feel connected to the escalation of intoxication. What we were doing wasn't as fun. And so one of the things that I really had to grieve along the way was like what I no longer enjoy without alcohol. And like, that was more than I thought it was, especially at the age that I kind of removed it at. It was things like tailgating and, I was like, what is tailgating without alcohol? You know, like, it's just a weird, like, we're just standing around a parking lot. Like, that's weird. And so, like, I had to grieve some of those things. And just curious if you've had that experience. Like, is there anything that you can name that you're like, yeah, I've really realized this wasn't enjoyable for me? Yeah. No, I, um, I completely agree with all of that sentiment. It's made me rethink what activities really make me fulfilled. And I think moving to a city where there are so many outdoor activities has made it a lot better. So for example, I lived in New York for three years. The main activity during the weekends is drinking, right? New York is eating and drinking. And for that point in my life, that was great. And because I was so immersed in that world, I really enjoyed it during that point in time. When I moved to San Francisco, it was a little bit different in terms of what you were able to do because year round it was mild weather and there was just so many more outdoor activities like swimming or hiking or biking. Um, people congregated more at parks if they were doing some of that day drinking instead of going to a dark bar and sitting there for eight to 10 hours, you know? Um, but now moving to Austin, I, I moved about a month ago. I've realized I just want to change my mm-hmm. overall behavior in terms of like the decisions I'm making for activities. And so there's paddle boarding, there's a bunch of pools, there's, um, you can like go on the lake and go on a boat. There's a ton of really great trails. 
Um, there's just so many things to do beyond just getting together and drinking. And so I've had to reframe more of the activities that I'm doing, but I will say some of the, the events that I'm grieving are winery tastings. My fiance and I were big Napa goers when we were in California and yeah. belonged to a couple of wineries. We got engaged at a winery and tasting used to be something that we would do pretty frequently. So that's definitely something that um, I'm grieving more and I'm st I still go and hang out, but the primary act there is like tasting the wine, right? And so that's something that um, is not as fun for me anymore, but I still think about it in the sense that if I wanted to have some, if I wanted to try it, if I did want to participate that day, I'm not going to let it stop me um, and would know potentially the repercussions or just know what my level or tolerance I want to take for that day. Um, but that's the, that's the one thing that comes mm -hmm. to mind, but totally like resonate with what you're saying there. Give us some of the benefits. What, what have you noticed in your life uh, that's changed? And, and, and even more specifically, and you just touched on this, but some of the identity shift, right? I mean, it, it's obviously become a little more healthy and, and active, uh, but yeah. can you touch on some of that? Yeah. I mean, wake, it, it's, it's so simple, right? Like waking up on a weekend at 7 or 8 a.m. with no hangover and being able to work out, make breakfast, get coffee, and like start your day. Like that is truly the best it's feeling crazy. in the world. It's, it's truly the best feeling in the world, right? Um, but it's also like none of the blurry moments. Like I don't forget things. Like I don't forget <laughs> things because I was a little bit, mm -hmm. um, you know, was a little bit tipsy or drunk at specific parts of the night, right? Like I remember everything. Nothing is fuzzy. Uh, I'm taking care of my health in terms of like prioritizing working out, prioritizing cooking healthy foods. And I just feel like my relationships are a lot stronger um, with both like family and friends because you're not irritated. You don't have like those drunk conversations that people don't remember or those like little fights. Um, those all to me are totally worth having drinks, um, having alcohol more frequently. And also, like I said, I'm still allowing myself, you know, a drink or two a month or a week or whatever that feels right to me, but it's the act of not prioritizing drinking and prioritizing alcohol, which has just made me feel like lighter as a person. I don't feel this like heavy feeling of what alcohol had done to, or has done to me. And it's just like, it's hard to explain, but it's just feeling like a better version of myself where I can pour more of my cup into activities that are really making me feel good. Yeah. That's awesome. I identify with a lot of those for sure. And even right. kind of moving towards like, what is my priority? Um, and just kind of like deprioritizing alcohol, like what else could it be other than this? And then noticing shifts just from there. I'm curious, did you have any um, like family or friend kind of reactions that you're willing to talk about either positive or negative when you made that shift? I know you mentioned it was a big part of your kind of social life and identity at the time. Yeah, I honestly think it's been really positive because it's not been one of those things that I stopped drinking and make like... I didn't want a reaction out of people and I wanted to be the mocktail expert. And so the fact that when I come home or I go over to my friends' houses, houses or apartments, I'm bringing things to make mocktails. I'm 
I'm having them, you know, like I will sit in my apartment on a Saturday and make like five to six mocktails. My fiance drinks like four or five of them, but then I have my friends like come over and taste them and try them. And so I want it to be more of an actual like fun experience with them. Like, oh my God, I made this amazing mocktail. You have to try it. Or like, what do you think? What do you think it needs? And actually trying to get them more involved in it. And they've wanted to be more involved too. Um, and even like some of my friends and family have said, oh, can you make me a mocktail instead of like a cocktail? And so they're actually leaning in a lot more. I think people have become much more interested in it because I'm doing it. And that has made me so much more fulfilled with this too, is like showing them how delicious or how close to an, like a, uh, sorry, how close to a cocktail you can make a non-alcoholic drink. And that's been super exciting to me. Um, that's where I'm like, like getting a lot of my motivation for continuing to do this is just really show how you can have a really great lifestyle and make really delicious drinks. They just don't have alcohol in them, you know, and um, they're not super sugary and loaded with a bunch of calories either. I think that's like a perception that people think of with mocktails. It's like just a bunch of juice or soda, um, but you can really make like a well-balanced drink. And so I've actually felt as though a lot of my friends have been super supportive and actually more interested in the space and wanting to learn more and wanting to try things. And same with my family too. Um, like I went home in April and my mom had bought all the seed lip, um, like the mm -hmm. seed lip starter pack. And that was just like so nice because I could have my same experience at home. And so luckily I haven't had like a negative experience mm -hmm. yet. I think some people are interested or questioning my decision. Um, but no one has like made a huge deal about it. And actually it's been much more positive. So I would honestly say it's good. Like I wish I had more of a story to share in terms of like overcoming something or dealing with um, someone who may not be as supportive, but luckily I've surrounded myself with people who are, and if they weren't, you know, that's when you would recognize that maybe a friendship that you had is some something you would have to reconsider because no one should base a relationship with someone around how much alcohol they drank, right? And really like being supportive right. of, of friends. Awesome. I think it's so cool when you give people different options too, that people do elect for non-alcohol more like than you totally. think they would. Um, we like, I kind of tested that not on purpose, but just because I wanted a non-alcoholic option at my wedding and at our uh, reception and same, it's so cool. Like people really do opt for it. And, and even when I say to girlfriends, like, do you want to come over tonight? Like we can have a glass of wine or I can make a medicine ball, like some tea or whatever. Yeah. And like most of the time they do opt for whatever the non-alcoholic option is. Or if I'm making a mocktail, they're like, Ooh, I want one. Like that's fancy and new and exciting. And and just giving people those options and that outlet. And a lot of times when I'm the, like, if I say, oh, I'm not going to have a beer yet, like maybe after dinner, I've noticed that there really is some of this like kind of domino reaction of like, oh yeah, me either. And that, that those people maybe just needed that. Like I'm not doing it to have other people follow suit, but it is really interesting to notice how many people do follow suit when you make those changes. And I think it's really positive that you've had a great reaction. Cause like you said, when you get those negative reactions, it raises some other flags about the relationship or about what might be going on with their relationship with alcohol. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So on the wedding thing, I'm getting married in April 
and I've already, oh, I've already figured out, thank you. I'm, I've already figured out mocktail options because that's mm-hmm. going to be so on brand. So we're going to have a mocktail and a cocktail, which, you know, at the end of the night, after people have had some drinks, maybe they will opt more for the mocktail option. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think like going back to the point on this glamorization of alcohol and the societal pressure of it is that people feel as though they need to have a drink because everyone else is. But the moment that someone says that they are having a mocktail or having a non-alcoholic option, this, the, it really changes. Like it really changes the sentiment in the room in terms of people actually opting out for something different. And it's really interesting to see. Um, But I do think it is because of the innovation in the space. Like things weren't, things would not be where they are without the introduction of really delicious non-alcoholic spirits, spritzes, wines, beers. And I'm so glad it's going in this direction. And I think a lot of people who may have thought about doing this earlier are now reconsidering because of the um, access that we have to these sorts of options as well. And so I think it's really powerful in terms of the shift. Uh, And I like want to continue to be a part of that because alcohol doesn't have to be something, you can make a drink without alcohol. Like drinking should not be associated with just alcohol. And the goal is to like normalize the zero proof forward lifestyle, like I said, in whatever way that looks like for someone. Um, And another thing that, and not to like derail this, but one thing I wanted to touch on in terms of like this like sober curious aspect that we have is I've been getting a lot of comments from people saying, this is just mindful drinking. Like I've always done this. Why is this such a why is this such a thing now that people are talking about? Like, why does sober curious have to be this new concept that people are branding? Like I've always been a mindful drinker. And it's really interesting because like for some people, it's so easy to be a mindful drinker, but for others who had alcohol as part of their lifestyle for so long and then want to make a shift, it feels much more drastic and the identity shift. And there's so many other things that go along with it. And so I've been trying to also voice that because I think a lot of people resonate with Mm -hmm. what I'm, what, with what we're going through, Sam, but others who are seeing this are like so confused at this whole concept. And so I don't know if you all have heard that at all, but I've been getting a lot of pushback um, from people and it's hard for me to articulate exactly like why this is such a shift for me and why I feel like it should be talked about. That's really interesting. I think I, actually felt an element of that, like when the sober curious stuff kind of started, but I don't think I had the same kind of like resentment or weird resistance to it. I think I was more like, oh, there are some people like me, like, cool. Like there are other people who do this or want to talk about this because for a while, yeah, the people around me were just like, Sam, you just like really overthink it. Like, you think about the way that you drink or what you're going to drink or if you're going to drink so much more than I do. And so maybe I could have called that mindful drinking, right? And maybe I could draw some parallels to like, I don't really do that with food and some other people do or, you know, whatever. But I think I was more thankful when I, when people in the sober curious space were saying the same things that I had been feeling or saying for a while, I was more like, oh, community rather than like, "Mm, I've been doing this. Like, that's a strange reaction to me. And yeah. And, and yes, it's best practice that we all have mindfulness Agreed. around all of our behaviors, but we don't cause we're human. And there are other factors that influence how difficult or how easy that could be for someone to do. So 
you don't have to label yourself. I don't lay my label myself sober curious. I just barely drink. I'm just someone who doesn't really drink. And when I do, I do. But most of the time I'm like the person at the like neighbor's party where they're like, oh, what's that? What are you drinking? And then I get to tell them, but it's not this big like announcement of mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm sober curious and I do this and you should too. It's, it doesn't have to be culty. Yeah. Right. And when you, and we frequently talk about the spectrum of right. of, of drinking alcohol, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, and it truly is a spectrum. And I think that's where the kind of misconception is around a lot of our population is that it is very black and white. It is very, you're an alcoholic or you're not. You were born with it or you weren't, you know, and, and all that's kind of bullshit. It's, it's, it's very much along a spectrum. So the people that respond to you in that way, they fall on a, on a slot in the spectrum. Well, what about all the other people? You know, people who become alcoholics, yes, some of them were born that way and were destined to be that way. Some of them progress that way. Some, some of them have things happen when they're 65 years old and then they begin drinking alcoholically. Like, there's just such a wide or a vast, well, spectrum, like I've said 10 times already. Um, <laughs> Say spectrum again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, just in response to that, because we're always going to get people that come back with little answers like that, little snooty answers, and, well, I've always done that. Well, good for you. Good for you. Thumbs You're not up. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And and people on TikTok are ruthless. Totally. Like yeah. User 17852, and they're <laughs> telling me that... I should have no say in this world because they've always been a mindful drinker. And I'm like, look, this is not, this is not how I was. You're like, it's just a jalapeno Marg girlfriend. Like yeah. chill out. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's just been really interesting. And I think that like to, to what you were saying, Sam, on what you define yourself as, I think I started out as someone who was sober curious, but I think that's like the starting point in the journey is like, you're curious about what it would feel like to not have alcohol as a main focal point in your life. You see how you react to it. And then you start to make a decision around where you want to fit, where you want to be on that spectrum. Um, And Mm -hmm. I've kind of had a hard time identifying like what I'm labeling. I don't want to label it. Right. But when people ask me, I think my, my newer response is similar to you is like, I just don't drink that much. Um, but interestingly, yeah. so my, my fiance has been like super supportive of this whole thing. And, uh, I thought it was going to be a pretty big shift in terms of like what we would do together because so much of our hobbies and activities were based on drinking, but it's actually, it's actually been great. He's been really supportive, but, um, we were doing like a game night with friends like a month ago and he made a comment like, oh, she's driving. And I said to him after, and I was like, you don't have to tell people that like, I'm not driving because I'm not drinking. Like you can just tell people I don't drink yeah. a lot. And so like having that conversation around to how your friends or loved ones like refer to your drinking, I think is interesting and something that should also be talked about just so that mm-hmm. like, I think he said that out of like, not, not knowing what I would want, but also an excuse people would assume. Yeah. Yeah. An excuse. Yeah. And so I just thought that was also just like really interesting, like human nature that there needs to be an excuse why I'm not drinking that night. <laughs> right. right. And so, um, right. yeah, it was just like a super interesting thing. And afterwards I was like, Hey, you, you don't have to make an excuse. Just say, I don't drink a yeah. lot. You don't yeah. have to do that. And he was like, okay, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, 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 like it's fine. But just know that you don't need to make an excuse for me. Yeah. Well, and that's, I I experimented with things like that early on because when I kind of removed alcohol, this was not cool. This was not trendy. And, um, 
And so I did have, I did try some of those on. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm driving. And that's when I would get the, you can have right. one. You burp, burp, burp. And I'd be like, shut <laughs> up. Like I wanted, and so it was like, I would try to figure out what was the thing that I can say that can fast track everyone to shutting up and ordering their drink. And so I can order mine. Like, and it, I really quickly removed a lot of those things of like, oh, I have yoga tomorrow morning. They'd be like, oh my God, you can still have a beer. And I'm like, okay, that didn't right. work. Right. And like, I would cycle through them, but but it is really interesting in educating people on what to say because I think I have more of an ego complex with giving alcohol that much power. Like I just don't. When people are like, so what are you? I'm like, I'm a human that puts whatever I want in my body. <laughs> so if I was going to order a salad versus a burger, you probably wouldn't comment, right? And so if I order a sparkling yeah. water instead of a beer, like I just don't understand the commentary. And so I think in the beginning, I was a lot more snarky about it because I would just be so determined to be like, I do what I want. And now I'm just like, oh, I just don't really drink that much. And people are like, oh, why? And I'm like, but it doesn't really make me feel good. And like I, what I really like is having a pretty drink and a pretty glass. And so I can make that without alcohol and it's usually cheaper and, you know, whatever other disclaimers I kind of put out there. But it's it's just like the defending of it is so nuts to, to me. It's weird. That- yeah, it uh, it's like the one quote drug that you need to defend yourself on why you don't want to be putting it into your body on a regular basis. It's like coffee, really. Like if I tell people like, oh, I'm not drinking coffee right now. They're like, <gasps> yeah, the reaction. Like, and I'm like, well, it makes my anxiety bad, dude. Like, so I drink decaf now. I used to not believe in decaf, but here we are. Like, whatever, you decaf know, like it just, it, that's yeah, the it only is. thing I've had it the same. You know what I'm saying? Like I have too many residual symptoms from drinking full calf. So I just don't people like calf curious. get over it. And they're like, I could never survive without it. And I'm like, okay, well that's you. Yeah. Like I didn't think I could either until I had to because it sucked. And so here we are. We were talking earlier just as a joke and, and we were, we were laughing about what it would look like if, you know, if you wake up in the morning and crack a cold beer at 8 a.m., some people turn their heads. What if you crack a non-alcoholic beer at 8 a.m.? I think that's perfectly <laughs> acceptable. Like, is that weird? I mean, I mean, like, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Like, the best part about not drinking alcohol regularly is that you can have a mocktail any day of the week at any time and not feel bad because it's not going to affect like any part of what you're doing. Whereas, you know, having and like, you know, when you drank historically and it's Sunday and you feel crappy and you're like, I'm not drinking, I'm never drinking again, you know, that feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like Monday or Tuesday, someone wants to like go get dinner or do something and you resent it or don't want to do it because you don't want to have to drink again. Like, I don't ever feel that now, which right. to me is like the best part about it. Like I had a mocktail last night. I can have another one tonight. I the, am not in the morning. Crappy at, in the morning. Or in the morning. Yeah. Right. And Spicy so, Marg in the 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like that feeling of being able to have it whenever I want because I don't have to feel guilty that like, oh, I drank so much last weekend. I can't have another drink till Friday. And then it's like someone wants to do something on Wednesday. It was like this cycle of just like how much drinking you were doing and what it was how it was affecting you based on the day of the week. And it was like exhausting. 
Yeah. yeah. I love that you've been able to kind of have this entertainment piece fulfilled as well, where you're like, I really want to be the expert on mocktails. Like that's going to be my thing. That's like my party trick. That's my new brand. Like that's what I get to do. And can you talk a little bit about just the creativity and what goes into that? And like, how do you come up with recipes, all of that world? I create everything. Like I get inspiration from different you know, cocktails I've seen on menus or ones that I've been at historically. Like, I don't know if you guys know Flora Farms, but they have, it's in uh, Mexico and they have this like carrot margarita that's amazing. And I recreated it and it was truly incredible. So I love entertaining. I cook a lot. I love hosting people. Um, Just put everything on my registry to have like the full built out kitchen and entertaining setup, which I'm super excited about. But we had a, we've invested a ton in like our bar setup historically. And, and I've, because I was so into making cocktails before, I really understand how to balance a drink um, in terms of it being just like super tasty and well-balanced, not being too alcoholic in terms of when I made cocktails or not being too fruit forward or too acidic. And so I've always had like a pretty good background in terms of how to make them. And with mocktails, it's a little bit different um, because you don't have that burn from the alcohol, right? And so you need to make sure that whatever you're adding to it, you're able to add a little bit of sweetness, which usually I like to do from like 100% juice or agave, depending on what I'm using. And then you balance it out with citrus. So lemon, lime, orange are all like really good to help balance it out a little bit. And so I like to just get super creative. And also because I have a really great um, glass collection that I've been building. And I think the glass honestly makes it just so much better. Totally does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just adds like such an element to it. And same with adding like a tahine rim or a salt rim or any sort of garnish. Um, all of those things like really amp up the experience. And so I've just tried to get really creative in terms of, you know, using the different spirits that are out there. And the space has gotten so crowded though. Um, And I think like, I love, uh, there's a few brands that I like specifically love to use, but there's just so much Mm -hmm. out there that it's been kind of overwhelming to be able to like try and compare. And I think like everyone's been asking me like, what's the difference between, you know, Seedlip Grove and Liars, you know, tequila. And it's like, there's not a huge difference, you know, like, um, it's kind of based on whichever one you like the best. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of based on personal preference because ultimately it's just getting blended in to a drink. It has, you know, zero calories. It just has some, you know, extracts and notes and, you know, a lot of them are, are really great, but it comes down to your personal preference. And so I've been trying to teach the like balance of how you're able to make the perfect mocktail, how to think about creative recipes. A lot of people have asked about, you know, making for a group, And what I try to do there is show options for alcoholic and non-alcoholic. And so like Mm -hmm. making a base of a drink that you could either add, you know, like seed lip to, or you could add, you know, tequila or vodka to if you're serving for a group, which I think is like really great around just like access and stuff. Um, And then, you know, trying some non-alcoholic wines and like offering those or serving those and just like having the options and my fiance is like very much gravita- gravitated towards the non-alcoholic beers. And like on a Sunday, maybe has like two of those instead of having regular mm-hmm. beers. And those have been like really great options too. So yeah, like really just trying yeah. to make and find creative recipes and yeah. inspire others who are looking to like wow. 
spice up their drink game with not having the alcohol associated with it. Very cool. Very cool. I'm a sucker for jalapeno syrup. Same. <laughs> I love syrups, it. syrups are like a low mm-hmm. key way to add a ton of depth of flavor uh-huh. because um, simple syrup is just literally, uh, literally sugar and water. And then you add in whatever elements that you want. So you throw in jalapenos, you bring it to a boil, you strain it, then you can just keep it in your bar and it just adds like a ton of depth. I love that. So when does your book come out? <laughs> there, oh, there's got to be one, right? Got to be a recipe. I mean, I, mean, I would love that. Is there any publisher willing to work with <laughs> sure, me? Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> we, we got a few. Heard it here first. <laughs> I'm um, sure. You heard it here I'm first. I'm trying to figure out like the best. Like, So for, for those who who have never seen or heard of me before. I do have a website with recipes on there. So I'm trying to honestly provide a lot of like access for people to find these recipes because Instagram and TikTok can get very crowded in terms of like actually having a place where you can, um, where you can find all of this stuff and trying to do something on Pinterest. But I would love to do a mocktail book. I think that would Hell be yeah. awesome. Absolutely. It's the first thing I thought of. Do it. Why, why, why are you not thinking of this? I mean, <laughs> everything's digital now, Robbie. It's like, it's like, it, well, like everyone's like, oh, an ebook. I'm like, I, but I still don't want an ebook. I want something pretty that can go on my bar cart. Like, right. yeah, like an amazing coffee table slash yes. bar cart book that's just yeah. like aesthetically so pleasing. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. So, Tori's book coming 2024. We can't wait. Yep, exactly. Tori Birchie, why do you care? I care because I want to inspire others who are looking to do this sort of lifestyle. Um, I care about, you know, influencing a zero proof forward lifestyle, making that accessible to people and inspiring them to make creative non-alcoholic drinks. That's what, that's what keeps me going. The mocktail expert, ladies and gentlemen, Tori, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great talking with you both. Thanks, Tori. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. For the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline, call 1-800-662-4357 or visit smsa.gov. For listeners in the Charlotte, North Carolina community, visit DilworthCenter.org or call 704-372-6969 or visit TheBlanchardInstitute.com or call 704-288-1097.